With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Rich Eisen Show. How you doing? Good, Dan. How about you? <laughs> no complaints. No complaints. Uh, That's good. We don't want to hear them anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap it up for this show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. That's a fact. <laughs> we don't want to hear the complaints. We don't, we don't want to hear Absolutely don't want to hear absolutely complaints. Absolutely not. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Schwartzman. And now, sitting in for Rich... Hit the drop. It's Dan Schwartzman. In the captain's chair again, Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen. Three times this week, by the way. Going to have a lot of fun. It is July 5th. Hope everybody had a safe and happy 4th. And have uh, emerged unscathed with all your fingers and limbs. No joke, my friend. I mean, forget the Jason Pierre-Paul. It happens. People get hurt. Fireworks are dangerous. And it's funny, I'm in the great state of Pennsylvania, and you go to the supermarket or Walmart, and they sell fireworks like it's candy. Art Martinez, by the way, on the other side of the glass, Art, I'm talking about like boxes, massive boxes of all these different variety packs of fireworks, and they look fun. But I'm obviously in my you know mid-40s at this point, so I'm like, yeah, maybe not. How do you pick out the sparklers? I, you know, I, were, I live... In the Inland Empire, like forty-five miles away from the studio, and they're all there. The stores are all over. The, the little the little vendors, they're all fireworks over. Vendors, right, yeah. all over the yeah. fireworks vendors. Yeah, they're all over. I'm telling you, man, it's a packaging thing. They look so like so much fun. I mean, each package is like nicely detailed, and it's like, wow, man, I could have a heck of a fireworks show in my backyard, you know, with this, but. I didn't do it, thankfully. Again, I, I'll and do bank did snaps. I. Neither Good did for I. you. And I didn't. I, we bought a bunch of sparklers. We did not even use the sparklers. I don't know why. I think we just forgot. And the funny thing is, after we came home with like three packs of sparklers, we realized we still had sparklers from last year that we forgot to use. So now I'm like stockpiling, uh, you know, sparklers like it's going out of style. So next year, Fourth of July, Art, I should be stocked up on sparklers. But you know what's going to happen? I'm going to make another run at Walmart, see a bunch of sparklers. Completely forget that I have like six boxes of sparklers already in my house, and I'll buy three more. There you go. And then I'll come home and be like, I got nine boxes of sparklers. What's going on? So in your mail next year, Art, I may be sending you sparklers by like July 6th or 7th, okay? Just so you know. I got to get rid of these things. <laughs> okay, that sounds All good. All right. A bunch of sparklers for you. Uh, I want to get into some NBA talk to start the show today. There's kind of an interesting thing going on. First of all, these salaries these players are signing are flat-out ridiculous, 
Okay, the amount of money that NBA players get in their contracts with all this lingo, right? Super max extensions, the rookie designation max, uh, just the max contract. There's so many different terminologies of contracts in the NBA, but they all have one thing in, in common. It makes the person who gets that contract, the recipient, filthy rich. Nikola Jokic, five-year, $270 million extension. Richest contract in the history of basketball. I mean, that is five, that's $54 million a year. Dude is making over a million dollars a week. I mean, think about that. The amount of money the NBA, because look, not a lot of players in the league and big money TV contracts, there's a lot of money floating around the NBA. And look, I'm happy the players get it. They are the product, right? The players are who we show up to watch. They deserve the money. But it is just unbelievable sums of money. So you think $54 million a year is pretty good, which it is. I think we can all feed the family on that. Not sure if Latrell Sprewell can, but we can. On the other hand, you have guys like what? Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Ten, Carl Anthony Towns, guys like that. What is it? Four years, $224 million? $56 million a year? That's a million dollars a week plus $4 million a year. I mean, just think about the numbers we're talking about here. And these guys are like 23 years old, right? Imagine being 23 years old and you're going to get a quarter of a billion dollars and you're going to be 27, 28 years old when you're going to sign another ridiculous contract. I used to say that if I have two two daughters, right? If I have a boy and I would get them involved in professional sports... Now, obviously, my daughters can play professional sports as well, but the money is not the same unless they want to be tennis stars. And Naomi Osaka proved that you can make 54 or $58 million in a year, mainly on endorsements, and that's great. And that's the highest, I think, a woman has ever made in a year in terms of an athlete. But if I used to say, go play soccer, right? Look at Messi, look at Ronaldo, the, the contracts they get. They, Of course, they make tremendous amounts of endorsement dollars as well. In fact, you know, while they're making five, six, seven, eight hundred thousand euros a week, which is a lot of money, that does pale in comparison to what these NBA players are bringing in. It does. It, it pales in comparison. So, on the other hand, they get a ton of endorsement deals because you know soccer is the quintessential global sport. Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo walks on any continent in this world; they will be recognized. All right, Messi's recognized everywhere. Ronaldo is recognized everywhere. And I think LeBron James probably is recognized everywhere, but Devin Booker is not. And he's got a $224 million four-year contract. Nikola Jokic for certain is not recognized anywhere. Heck, he can walk down the street in New York City and no one knows who he is because he plays for the Denver Nuggets. Except he's a big, tall guy. He'd probably be like, oh, that guy probably plays basketball. You don't know, he just signed a $54 million a year contract. But whatever, you get my drift. But after I see all these NBA contracts, and I think to myself, you go one and done, right? You go to Kentucky, one and done, and out the NIL deals, you've probably become a millionaire in that one and done year at Kentucky or Duke, whatever it might be. Go to the NBA as a high draft pick. You make some money the first uh, couple of years, three, four years, whatever it is. And then you sign these rookie max extension deals, like Luka Doncic, guys like that, if you've been 
all NBA the first few years. And then at 27, 28 years old, you're going to get another big contract, right? So you're going to sign another four-year contract. And who knows what the TV money is at that point. So you're talking probably another quarter of a billion dollars for the next four years. So by the time you're 20, uh, you know, you're 32 years old, you've made over half a billion dollars. And with today's conditioning and nutritionists and all this, at 32, you're going to sign another four-year deal. And you can play great basketball until you're 36, right? We've seen guys do it. Plenty of guys are doing that now. So unlike baseball, it's like, oh, my goodness, they have my rights for the first three years. Then it's the arbitration years. And, yeah, they get paid. You know, Aaron Judge just got $19 million in arbitration. But Aaron Judge is going to get a one big deal, and that's it. He's 30 years old. This offseason coming up, he's going to get one big deal of eight years, 10 years, whatever it might be, and he's got to cash that paycheck. At 30 years old, coming out of the NBA as a star player, and Aaron Judge certainly is a superstar baseball player, guys have already made $400 million. Aaron Judge is a pauper compared to them. So why would you go play baseball, right? And by the way, you could be a first-round pick in baseball. You go toil in the minor leagues if you're lucky for just three years. You play three years in the minors, by the way, that's a fast rise up to the majors. NBA, you go straight to the league, right to the show, right to the money. Climate-controlled environment, less games. You get your summers off, right? Because basketball's a winner, and, you know, it's a, it's a winter sport. Forget baseball. If I got a son, he's not playing baseball. He's not playing football, obviously, because of the head injuries. Soccer, sure, because, you know, I always like to say this, and, and I'm not going to disparage American cities, but there's some cities in America that aren't the greatest places, I have to tell you. Kind of boring places, right? Like, I was in Houston once for a Final Four, and I went to dinner at this steakhouse uh, downtown with a buddy of mine. And afterwards, we were younger. This is probably about, you know, t- 10, 12 years ago. And uh, we were looking to go to, like, a bar, hang out, right? And we're walking around, and there's nothing. I see a cop, I go, officer, uh, where's, like, the, the strip of bars? Like, a place to, to go hang out? He goes, ho, you got to go out of town for that. I go, what do you mean? He goes, oh, no, this is downtown. you got to go out of town. There's, a like, a Washington Street or something. Art, it was a bizarre. It was bizarre. Like, I'm downtown Houston, tall glass buildings, and no one's there. It's like ghost town at night. Wow. It's one of those, but a lot of American cities are like that. People come into downtown to work, and then they get the heck out of downtown, and they go have drinks and stuff in, like, the suburbs. That's, that's unfortunately, a lot of places like that. I mean, there's not a lot of walking cities in America, right? Like, think about it. Like, New York, you walk around. Boston, you walk around. Philly, Washington, Chicago. L.A., as you know, you really don't walk around much, right? Everybody drives. So I think, you know, that's kind of a thing. So, like, imagine being a free agent in the NFL. You have to choose between, like, Jacksonville, Houston, and Cincinnati. All right, fine. They all have something good to offer. Or play soccer and be choosing between, like, Paris, London, Barcelona, Madrid. You get my drift? <laughs> right? Like, it's, 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 a completely, it's a completely different world. So it always came down to soccer, but then I see these NBA salaries, I'm like, nah. Whichever Schwartzman, if there's a Schwartzman boy somewhere in this lineage, uh, he's playing in the NBA. What a job. What a career. Now, one guy is not getting paid, all right? 
And this is kind of a surprising thing. I want to get into the DeAndre Ayton saga. Former number one overall pick. Do, do you realize DeAndre Ayton was picked two picks ahead of a guy named Luka Doncic? I mean, talk about missing, right? I mean, look, Ayton's a good player. Don't get me wrong. DeAndre Ayton is a good player. He is not a great player. He is a good player. He's never lived up to the hype. He's only 23, by the way. He'll be 24 this month. But he's never lived up to the hype. He came out of high school as one of the top five recruits in the nation. Went to Arizona. Was, what, one and done. He was ridiculously good in his one year at Arizona. Right, 20 points a game, almost 12 rebounds per game. Played the entire season, 35 games. Clearly was the number one pick. But in his four NBA players, DeAndre Ayton's averaging about 16 points and 10.5 rebounds a game. Those are good numbers. Not great, right? They're not superstar numbers. He's not averaged. He's never averaged over 18 points a game. He has been hurt by the fact that, look, two of these years have been COVID years where you're talking about shortened seasons. But he hasn't lived up to being the guy that everybody thought he would be when he came out of college and even high school. So when you look at DeAndre Ayton, you think to yourself, you know, first overall pick in 2018, and by the way, Marvin Bagley went number two. What a terrible pick that was. Luka Doncic goes three. Jaron Jackson, who's kind of coming into his own four. Then Trey Young goes five. So uh, clearly a miss. The Phoenix Suns do not get Doncic, and they don't, don't, they don't get Trey Young. Now, they had Devin Booker, so that's probably something that played a role in that. But DeAndre Ayton couldn't get a max deal from the Phoenix Suns last year. Last offseason, they did not give him a max deal. They didn't want to do it. And there was some talk, you know, it, it kind of angered him to a point. It kind of made him think, like, uh, do I have a career here? Do I not have a career here? And in reality... This was a season for him to kind of show up and, and, and show that they made a mistake. Well, this year, DeAndre Ayton, okay, he played 58 games, but that means he missed a boatload of games again, right? The guy missed 24 games this year. And he averaged 17 points, 10 rebounds a game. All right, his field goal percentage was, you know, over 63%. Shot better from three-point range, not a big three-point shooter, obviously. And now he's looking for money. And the question is, how much is a guy like that worth? And the market kind of speaks, right? It's like when you have baseball cards. All right, remember when you had baseball cards and you'd get the Beckett baseball card monthly and you'd look up your card and it would say, that card's worth $11. Remember that? Oh, yeah. You're right. So you had the Beckett. So it was like $11 card. You get excited. Wow, this baseball card's worth $11. And I get excited. I'd run over to my dad who didn't care about baseball at all. And I would uh, show him the card and say, Dad, this card's worth $11. And my dad, who's... Uh, a realist would always say to me, eh, you know, you know what that card's really worth? I'd say $11. He goes, no, it's worth what somebody's willing to give you for that card. And I never quite understood that when I was a kid. And then, of course, as I got older, I understood that. Sure, a piece of paper could tell me the card's worth $11. But in reality, it is worth literally what somebody is willing to pay me for the card. If somebody's willing to give me $8 for the card and no one's willing to give me more than that, the value of that card is $8. Not 11 because Beckett Baseball Card Monthly told me it's worth that. So with DeAndre Ayton, his agent's shopping around and they're talking about, oh, he's this good and that good and he's put up 17 points a game and 10 rebounds this year and he's improved his shooting, yada, yada, yada. No one's biting. Guy's still out there a week later. It's kind of, I think, a kick in the you-know-what when you think about what is my value? 
And with a guy like that, you think at his age, his skill set, somebody would pay him a lot of money, right? The NBA, they throw money around, and yet no one's paying him. So you wonder, what's the deal? What is he worth? Is this a guy that's overrated himself all these years? I, I don't know. That's the craziest thing about it. And I was scratching my head last year when Phoenix didn't give him that max deal, and I'm scratching my head now going, what is his value? Who's going to pick him up? Is he going to stay with Phoenix? Because, look, he's not the man there, right? Devin Booker's the guy there. He's going to be the number one guy there for years to come. Chris Paul's number two there right now, right? The savvy veteran, big money guy, great player, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest in the history of basketball. DeAndre Ayton is the number three guy in Phoenix. What do you pay a number three guy? You don't pay him $224 million over four years. We're going to find out more. Howard Beck. Senior writer for Sports Illustrated, co-host of the Crossover Podcast, also an analyst with Sirius XM NBA Radio. He's going to hopefully have an answer for us as to what the heck is going on in the DeAndre Ayton saga, because I am flat out curious. All right, don't forget when Callaway engineered Chrome Soft to be the best tour ball, it didn't just make the best players better. It made everyone better. Men, women, first-time major winners, repeat major winners, club champions, business golfers. The Chrome Soft family has the best tour performance for every type of performance. Starting with the regular Chrome Soft, which is designed for the widest range of golfers who want better feel, more distance, and incredible forgiveness. But for better players looking for more workability, Chrome Soft X provides excellent spin consistency and tour-level short game control. Finally, Chrome Soft XLS gives you a lower spin golf ball on longer shots, firmer feel, but still with high spin around the greens. And now every Chrome Soft is enhanced with precision technology, which uses design techniques and manufacturing specifications up to one one thousandth of an inch. This ensures they're the highest quality, most consistent, fastest golf balls possible. When you add it all up, it's pretty simple. Chrome Soft is better for the best and better for everyone. Find out which ChromeSoft is right for you at CallawayGolf.com slash ChromeSoft. Howard Beck, talk some NBA with him next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen. It is July 5th. A beautiful Tuesday out there in most of this country. Man, we're going to have a fun show coming up on the Rich Eisen Show. It's that time of year, people. Spring has sprung, and that means spring cleaning, or at least the partner in your life is demanding that you do it. Whether that means stocking up on cleaning supplies or swapping out your winter clothes for new spring clothes, make sure you're using Ibotta and get real cash back with every purchase. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. The average Ibotta user earns $256 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, that flight you've been eyeing, or the fancy dinner you've been craving. Join the over 50 million users and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers. And right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta by using the code Eisen when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use my code E-I-S-E-N. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use my code Eisen. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O-O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Back on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan Schwartzman in for Rich on this Tuesday, July 5th. A lot of NBA talk to start the show. DeAndre Aiden, what's the deal with him? Where's he ending up? What is he worth in today's ridiculous spending NBA market? It's amazing how much money gets thrown around in that in that league. Good for them. Players of the uh, show and people pay to watch him play, and they're making the money. Our buddy Howard Beck, senior writer of Sports Illustrated, co-host of the Crossover Pod, and of course, Sirius XM's NBA radio as well. Howard, were you the guy in your neighborhood shooting off fireworks all night? Are you that guy? <laughs> no, not me. But man, there were a heck of a lot of them here in Brooklyn, I will tell you that. I feel sorry for the dogs, you know. They're the ones that get really scared by that. It's unbelievable, man. I had a dog back in the day, this big golden, and he used to go hide in the shower. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not good. And it, it felt like last night was more than usual, at least around my neighborhood. Um, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> You're not that guy. Good to hear. Howard, you know, I, I started the show off, and look, I, I commend players in the NBA for getting these massive contracts. It's a lot of money. I mean, the amount of money guys get. You know, Mitchell Robinson is still kind of a project for the Knicks. He's getting $15 million a year over four years. But to me, the guy that's still sitting out there, DeAndre Ayton, what is the latest on him? Kind of didn't, you know, didn't get that max deal he thought he could get last offseason from Phoenix. Had a decent year, nothing great, 17 points, 10 and a half rebounds. Where do you see him ending up? Don't know. Um, I think, you know, the general sense around the league is that, you know, Ayton's future his destiny, his contract, everything is ultimately tied back to Kevin Durant because the Suns have to decide how much in this Kevin Durant sweepstakes they are, what they're willing to give up, and whether DeAndre Ayton in a sign-and-trade could be part of that, in which case DeAndre Ayton, of course, has to be willing to do that. He has to decide that he wants his future to be in Brooklyn, and the Nets have to decide that they want to be the ones to whether it's max him out or, or give him whatever it is that, he, that he's seeking uh, that, or that that's amenable to him. So there's a lot of variables that I just threw out there. And yeah. I don't think we have any clarity on any of that as we sit here on day five of what is essentially supposed to be the moratorium when no deals are actually made. You're just supposed to be able to, tell, I mean, you can, you can come to terms with, with guys, but nothing is official until the moratorium lifts tomorrow. So, um, there's there's still a lot of uh, variability in just in, in the market, and especially where it comes to DeAndre Ayton. And the fact is, it's not like there was a really robust you know market this summer anyway, because there weren't a ton of teams with cap room who were in a position to chase him 
and and maybe max him out. Howard, is he a guy that who's going to be 24, by the way, I believe this month? Is he a guy that people look at and say there's still potential there? Or is he a guy that coming out of Arizona, look, he was a tremendous player in college, clearly the number one pick in the draft. No one scoffed at that when Phoenix announced that. Is he a guy that people look at and say, you know, the talent at the NBA level is maxed out or somebody's got to unlock more? How's he viewed? Oh, no, I don't think anybody's viewed him as a, as a completely finished product. I mean, he's turning, you know, 24 in a few weeks here, uh, not even, you know, entering his prime yet. We kind of usually, you know, think of the prime as you know, 26, 27 when you start hitting your prime. Um, I think he has improved every year. Uh, he's even become a, a, a pretty solid on low volume, but, but respectable three-point shooter. Not that that's necessarily where you want him. But great touch around the rim and a, and a nice little mid-range game, and, and he plays both ends. There aren't that many centers in today's NBA who, you know, can give you, you know, a, a, you know, something above average at both ends of the court. And Aiden's one of them. So we may not be, you know, there's we're, we're trapped between the, the notion that, you know, you know, bigs are a traditional bigs are a thing of the past versus this apparent big man renaissance we're having now, of course. You know, uh, Jokic and Embiid have been one, two in the MVP race the last couple of seasons. Uh, and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns obviously has been great in Minnesota now has Rudy Gobert next to him. You know, DeAndre Ayton is is the, the rare guy, though, who, you know, at seven feet manning that position close to seven feet can do something at both ends. And I don't think the Suns make the finals last year without him. And I, I do think that there's value. Um, or, you know, the, the league season is, is a valuable guy and a guy who's still got probably more he can do. Um, just depends on, on the context and the team. It's not clear to me exactly what, you know, kind of got crossed between him and the Suns. But, you know, I, I don't think anybody sees DeAndre Ayton as a finished product or, or as in, in any way a diminished product. Senior writer for Sports Illustrated, Howard Beck, joining us here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. You mentioned Rudy Gobert. He is now a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Big deal coming from Utah. The next guy there is Donovan Mitchell. People wonder, is that going to be a teardown rebuild? Is Mitchell a guy that kind of has to wait because of Kevin Durant as well? Wherever Durant goes, maybe Mitchell goes somewhere else. If he doesn't go to Miami, we know that Miami has kind of looked at uh, Donovan Mitchell as well. It's not far-fetched to think that if Donovan Mitchell is going to be available, that no one's going to play all their cards for him until they see what Kevin Durant goes for, where he goes. It's possible that all these teams could be connected, right? Um, Phoenix, Miami, both in the running, presumably for Durant. Uh, Miami in particular, if they didn't get Durant, might turn their attention to Donovan Mitchell. I don't know that the Suns would because they've got you know Booker and Chris Paul there, but you could see where between Durant being available, Mitchell potentially being available, Utah, Phoenix, Miami, Brooklyn, you know, throw, I don't know, Oklahoma in there because they've got cap room <laughs> to help people offload contracts. You could see where this could become a, a massive deal with a bunch of guys changing teams, including the two stars, Mitchell and, and Durant at a minimum. Um, that's possible. A lot's on the, you know, uh, like everything is, is on the table at this stage. But I also think that, you know, the Nets are, are going to play this methodically. They're not going to rush into a decision on Durant, which means that as long as they're being patient about it and, and methodical about it, it may hold up everybody else. So um, I think the bigger question to me is just, you know, are, are the Jazz ready for the full teardown? Are, are the, you know, and, and is Donovan Mitchell ready to say, you know what, this is the time? You know, Gobert's gone, and even if they didn't get along well, that was Gobert was the other element making them a strong playoff team or at least a strong 
uh, regular season team. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they're not. They're, they're not. Without, without Gobert, they're not. So you're either redirecting all those resources, all the assets you just got for Gobert, to try to get Donovan Mitchell a, a, a new co-star, or you're saying, well, we, maybe we don't have one and we can't get one, and maybe it's time to just go all the way the other direction. Now, the whole Kevin Durant thing is fascinating. He's got a four-year deal for close to $200 million that kicks in this year. So Brooklyn technically is under no obligation to deal the guy, right? I mean, there's not a ton of leverage except Kevin Durant maybe saying, I'm just not going to play for you. And Brooklyn can say, fine, you're going to sit out four years. So when it comes down to it, is there a scenario where Brooklyn doesn't get really, you know, they, they're only offered pennies on the dollar by other teams because they realize Brooklyn probably wants to bring back some talent and offload a guy that doesn't want to be there. Is there a scenario where Brooklyn actually keeps him and he's playing for them next year? I mean, I, I've been covering this league for 25 years. Everything is possible. <laughs> you know, we, we, you know, the second, the, the, the second we say that something can't happen, we're, we're wrong. So, right. um, you know, I don't expect Kevin Durant is going to be in a Brooklyn Nets uniform and on the court on opening night in October, but it's possible um, I'm sure the Nets would love to have that outcome rather than the alternative. Uh, is there a scenario where they trade Kyrie, they find ways to retool around Kevin Durant and convince him that there's still the potential to contend here? Um, I'm in Brooklyn, so I'm going to say here. Um, right. <laughs> I, I, like I, I think I think that that is conceptually possible, but only Kevin Durant could tell you whether or not that's reasonable or plausible. And, you know, Durant is really hard to read, really hard to figure out. He's, he, like, he's not, I shouldn't say he's hard to read. People around him will tell you, tell you he's, it's easy to read. You know when he's out on something, and he's out right. on the Nets right now, and that doesn't seem likely to change. But could he change his mind, potentially? I mean, if you're the Nets, you're doing everything possible to do that. You're, you're trying to make the case for why this is still the best place for him. Um, and, I listen, I can make the case that the Nets could still be a contender with him. Um, yeah. You know, you're – but but it's not not my case to make, and and I don't know if Durant would be receptive to the Nets uh, making that pitch or not. Um, if he if they don't trade him, if they fail to to get, find the deal that they want, and they hold on to him, I, I don't know what happens next. You know, we saw Ben Simmons sit an entire season with the Sexers calling his bluff and saying fine, and you're you're, you're forfeiting salary. Um, I don't think Durant would do that because Durant. Is is he loves the game too much? I mean, I, I I'm not saying that Ben Simmons doesn't, but the history of Durant and what we know of him is the guy just loves to be in the gym, loves to play. I just cannot see him, especially at this stage of his career, at age soon to be 34, sacrificing a full season. But having a, an unhappy Durant isn't doing you much good either. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I mean, you look at that roster, right? With Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving is potentially back for another year. Ben Simmons, we think, is going to be healthy and ready to go. They just bring in T.J. Warren, who hasn't really played the last two years, but a really good player before that, still only 28 years old, and apparently going to be fully healthy. There's still a lot of talent there in Brooklyn. So you're right. It's not as if you look at that roster and you say, mm, they're garbage, they can't win anything. That's a 50-plus win roster that can go deep into the playoffs. So it is kind of surprising to me when you break it down that you know he's soured on Brooklyn when – they have talent. Is it a personal thing? I mean, do we even know? As you said, it's hard to read Kevin Durant. Is it a personal thing with Kyrie Irving? I mean, he went there because Kyrie Irving kind of helped recruit him there, right, in the first place. So is there a problem? Are they on the outs? Do we even know? 
So I, I, I wrote this last week for Sports Illustrated on SI.com. People can find, go find my column there. But, I mean, my read of this, based on talking to people in the wake of, of Durant's trade request, was basically this. Um, there's nothing rational about where things stand right now. Like, I it, trying to, to, to find some rational explanation for what Kevin Durant's position is is almost futile because the two things, as I understand it, that are driving this trade request are, one – he doesn't like the way – you're just enchanted about the way last season went, right? Disillusioned about the way that the Nets, you know, finished seventh. They swept in the first round. It was a disaster. Lost James Harden along the way. Had to trade him for Ben Simmons under duress. Didn't like the way last season unfolded. But he's also not happy with the way the Nets have dealt with Kyrie Irving in terms of a contract extension. They've taken a hard line because of his commitment issues, right. you know, Kyrie <laughs> being unreliable. And right. so – but these things don't square because the reason for last season's debacle is mostly Kyrie Irving and the fact that he wasn't available because he wouldn't take the COVID vaccine. And so Kyrie Irving kind of sabotaged the season. And instead of Durant being mad at Kyrie Irving, he's mad at the Nets for trying to hold Kyrie Irving accountable and taking a hard line with him on his contract talk. So like I, that to me doesn't make any sense. But, but that is, as I understand it, why Kevin Durant has taken the position he has. Chatting with Howard Beck here on the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich. Kyrie Irving is, well, back with Brooklyn as of now, does opt into that last year on his contract for $36.4 million. Any scenario for Brooklyn dealing him without having to bring back Russell Westbrook? Yeah, involve a third or a fourth or an eighth team. Um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, 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 this, I don't make too many you know, absolute predictions, and I'm not one to, to you know, say that like this is definitive as i was just saying a few minutes ago like i've covered this like too long we don't we don't know anything Think, things happen <laughs> but two two things i'm fairly fairly certain of the nets are not going to keep kyrie irving even if they somehow find a way to keep kevin durant kyrie's gone like there's just no it's that's not tenable you cannot bring him back after all that's happened i think that they will find a way to trade kyrie irving with the one year on his deal of course they're not going to get a ton back and it may require trading him for Russell Westbrook, at least as an initial component of this. But I don't see a Russell Westbrook future in Brooklyn because if they're keeping Ben Simmons, Westbrook and Simmons would be a complete disaster together. I also just don't think the Nets, if they're rebuilding, like Westbrook, an aging Westbrook isn't the guy you're, you're rebuilding around. Um, and I don't think Westbrook and Durant are looking for a reunion either in that scenario. Any case, I think that you're redirecting Westbrook somewhere else, or if it's only a two-way trade, you're buying him out and he goes to free agency and he, he signs a you know a minimum deal somewhere. I think the ideal for the Nets would be Kyrie to the Lakers, uh, Westbrook and and picks go out. The, the Nets hopefully you know for them for their sake they'd want it, they'd want the picks redirect Westbrook somewhere else that has cap room. Somebody else you know fills in the other details. Last question, Howard. Russell Westbrook, you, you you know, he's obviously on the decline. He's now, what, four teams in the last four years or so. He's the triple-double guy, no question about it. Only him and Oscar Robertson, he's done in multiple years. How are you going to look back and think about the career of Russell Westbrook? Is he a great stack compiler, not a great teammate, tough to win with him? How is he going to be viewed? Well, he made the 75th anniversary team. Uh, I was a voter for that, and he, I had him on my ballot, and I think he earned that. He's a unique talent, one of the all-time great talents in terms of just sheer performance and dominance on the court and obviously his, his passion and his will. I mean, you know, the, the grand scope of Westbrook's career is one of success. 
Um, only won NBA Finals, obviously, early on with Durant and Harden and Ibaka, that group that, that lost to Miami. And, you know, Westbrook as a solo act has been, you know, a failure, frankly. Um, you know, once Kevin Durant left town, you know, I, I know that Westbrook won MVP that year, was not at the top of my ballot. Um, but I, that, was, that was a year of just sheer individual dominance and, and not enough team success. And he has not been able to manufacture that kind of team success since then. He is in decline. He is just kind of bouncing around over the last few years of his career. Nothing is quite working out. He is difficult to play with. He does have deficiencies in his game that he's never really addressed, specifically shooting and defense. And <laughs> big deficiency, he, yeah. you know. Yeah, those are those are important too. But you know, um, I, we sometimes remember too much about the latter stages of a, of a guy's career. Dwight Howard comes to mind than we do yeah. about what made yeah. the guy great in the first place in the earlier stages. Yeah, no, that's a great point, Dwight Howard. People forget the 20 and 14 years he had where he was just an absolute beast, especially with Orlando. Our buddy Howard Beck, senior writer of Sports Illustrated, co-host the Crossover Podcast, also SiriusXM's NBA Radio. Howard, always a pleasure, man. Hope you had a great fourth. We'll talk soon. My pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. Awesome stuff, as always. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, like, we look at Russell Westbrook, and Art, you're in L.A. I mean, I'm sure you read all about him and watch him, and it was kind of a disaster, no question about it, and no one wants him back in L.A., and the only reason why he's probably going to have to be there is $47.1 million worth of reasons. But the reality is, you know, he's on that all-stack compiler team with, like, Carmelo Anthony, right, guys like that. You look at the numbers, you're like, wow, what a great player, and then you realize, well, they've never won anything, and then you have to point a finger as to why they never won anything, and... That finger ends up pointing right back at that player because they're hard to play with. Carmelo's always been that number one option, ball hog, bring it down the court, everybody clears the lane, he does his little fancy dribble and then just shoots it up. He's a volume shooter. Russell Westbrook, you know, look, talent's talent and triple doubles are hard to do and to average a triple double throughout the entire season, I believe four times in his career, is impressive. All right? You can't take that away from the guy. That's impressive. Oscar Robertson did it one year, and everybody thought, man, that's amazing. Well, he's done it four times, and, you know, we'll sit here and we can disparage Russell Westbrook. But, great career. Doesn't mean great teammate to play along with, and doesn't mean he's a guy that, maybe he's one of these guys that people just didn't understand how to coach, and maybe didn't understand how to utilize him a little bit differently. Maybe his stubbornness in not wanting to change how he played plays a role in it. But it's hard to look at Russell Westbrook and kind of figure out how he's going to be viewed. All-time great? Sure. I'll give him that. I think it's hard to argue against that. And I think if you are arguing about him not being an all-time great, it's because you just hate the guy. But, you know, he's just, he's difficult. He's a difficult one to, to figure out. Really difficult to figure out. The Kevin Durant situation, I brought it up with Howard there. Is there a scenario where he actually doesn't get moved by Brooklyn? I want to examine that a bit because there is a realistic chance that he isn't moved. There's four years and 198 or so million reasons as to why they may not move him. I'll explain that next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen on a Tuesday right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the sleep number smart bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen, the Rich Eisen Show on a Tuesday. Talking NBA, thanks to Howard Beck for joining us. Great stuff from him as always. The Kevin Durant saga continuing and kind of holding up the rest of the market. The Donovan Mitchells of the world wondering, am I going to get dealt and where and when? And the answer is, well, take a seat, friends. You got to wait till the Kevin Durant situation gets figured out. Now, here's how I view this, this situation. Look, if Kevin Durant had like one year on his contract remaining, then yeah, he's got some leverage, right? But at 34 years old, starting a four-year, 198 or $200 million extension... He doesn't have a ton of leverage. He can tell the Brooklyn Nets, trade me, I want out. Okay, fine. And Brooklyn might say, we don't want you here because you're disgruntled and we're going to trade you. Okay. But in the real world, when you're talking about one of the top two or three best players in the league, you don't just give that guy away. And if you're the Brooklyn Nets, if people are going to offer you pennies on the dollar because they think you have to trade Kevin Durant, why would you take that deal? Right? Why would you take that deal? And you can always tell Kevin Durant, okay, Kevin, you don't want to play here for us? That's fine, but we have your rights for four years. You want to play hardball? We'll play hardball. You want to sit out this year? Fine. You sit out four years. Good luck getting a hefty contract. <clears throat> Excuse me. Good luck getting a hefty contract at 38 years old. Having sat out, sat out four years. Oh, are you going to turn down $50 million a year? Okay, good luck. Enjoy. Have fun. Because you can't sit out and get paid. If you're going to sit out as a form of protest, you're pulling a Ben Simmons and you're not going to get paid. You're going to leave that kind of money on the table. So the truth is he doesn't have a ton of leverage, right? Like I, I know you don't want disgruntled players playing for you. I get that. 
But you don't want to give away talented players like Kevin Durant. You don't just give a guy like that away. And if the Miami Heat are going to be offering, you know, a deal to bring in Kevin Durant, you're not just going to take a bag of basketballs and some extra hoops and nets, right? You got to bring in top players. You got to bring in talent. Or else it's not worth your time to make that deal. So if I'm looking at Miami's roster, I'm thinking to myself, okay, who do I want? Bam Adebayo, 24 years old. Okay. I want Jimmy Butler. Jimmy's great. Tyler Hero, he's only 22. You're fine. You give me Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and all right, cool, man. You get your guy. Kevin Durant's on his way to South Beach. But I'm not taking 42-year-old Udonis Haslam and Markeith Morris and Victor Oladipo. I'm not taking those players just because I have to get rid of Kevin Durant. I don't have to get rid of Kevin Durant. He's my guy for four years. Like it or not, he's my guy for four years. I'm looking at Phoenix, right? If I'm thinking about the Phoenix Suns, okay. You want Kevin Durant? What do I get from you? Sure, DeAndre Ayton in a sign-and-trade makes sense. I can ask for Devin Booker. I'm not getting Devin Booker, but I can always ask. How about Michael Bridges, right? A talent like him, young guy, 25 years old, good talent. You got to get something back that makes sense. You're not going to give them away for guys like uh, JaVale McGee and Cameron Payne. That doesn't work. Alfred Payne's not going to get you Kevin Durant. And all these teams like Phoenix or Miami that looks at Kevin Durant says, we're a really good team. Kevin Durant makes us the best team in the league. They're putting Kevin Durant on the team with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Okay, they're putting him on the team with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero as if you're not going to have to give up a talented player to get Kevin Durant. Like, let me just package the back of my bench and some first-round picks and tell Brooklyn, here you go. Thanks for thanks for Kevin. No. With one year left on the deal, maybe. Throwing a couple of steak dinner, you know, a couple of uh, seafood dinners at Joe Stone Crab in Miami, we got a deal. Throwing season tickets to the Diamondbacks. We got a deal. No, it doesn't work that way. And Brooklyn is under no obligation to make Kevin Durant happy. They're under no obligation to say, all right, Kevin, because you want to go to Miami or Phoenix, we are going to help you out. Here you go. What if the Utah Jazz said to Brooklyn, hey, let's talk. We're going to start a deal off with the name Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell's a New Yorker, all right? He may want to come back to the area. So isn't a Donovan Mitchell-led deal better than any sort of a deal that Phoenix or Miami is going to give you that does not include one of their top players? And I don't care if Kevin Durant doesn't want to go to Salt Lake City. You're going to Salt Lake City because you have no leverage. What are you going to do? Tell Utah, I'm going to sit out four years? Okay, same scenario he's in with Brooklyn. Sit out four years. Go right ahead, my friend. Sit out there, become 38 years old. Again, very little leverage. Do you get my drift here? Brooklyn is really going to do what's best for them, not what's best for Kevin Durant. Now, the problem for Brooklyn is this. The NBA is a league where the players run this league. No question about it, right? Players get coaches fired. Players can dictate where they want to play. 
It's happened often in this league, probably a little too often. Out of any league in professional sports, the NBA players have the most power within the confines of their league, within the confines of their teams. They usually get their way. And because of that, Kevin Durant probably says, all right, in the end, I'm going to get my way because that's the nature of the NBA right now. And maybe it's up to Brooklyn to fight back and say, ah, not this time, my friend. Mm -mm. We got to look out for ourselves. We honestly aren't going to look at you and take you into our consideration at all. I don't care if I have to send you off to wherever, the other side of the planet. It doesn't matter. I don't care if there's five teams on your list that you don't want to go to. If they're offering me the best deal, you're going there. You can deal with that. So it's so interesting to watch this Kevin Durant saga. It's like sit back, grab your popcorn, and hit play. Because I have no idea how this ends, but him staying in Brooklyn potentially could be an actual ending in this. Because teams think they're shopping in the bargain bins right now because they feel that Kevin Durant, by asking to be traded, has taken away any leverage that Brooklyn had. But Brooklyn has plenty of leverage. It's called, (laughs) we have your rights for four years. And I know Philadelphia ended up shipping off Ben Simmons rather than making him live up to the deal. And that's because they got offered James Harden. Okay, fine. You're bringing back a superstar player? Make it work. But if you're looking at superstar players, right, as a return for a superstar player, it's just Simmons for James Harden. Then if you're looking at Phoenix and you say, who's the superstar player? Okay, DeAndre Ayton's got to be part of that package. I think Phoenix is fine with that. And then who else? But for Miami, it's got to include Adebayo. It's got to include a Tyler Hero type player. You have to give to get. I I don't get it. I I don't because I look at Brooklyn's roster and yeah, I think Ben Simmons. I don't think he loves bad. I I you know Howard Beck didn't want to say it and that's his opinion, but I do believe that Ben Simmons does not love basketball as much as say Kevin Durant does. I think Ben Simmons is a guy who's great at basketball, can't shoot a lick by the way, has lost his confidence, but I think he enjoys what basketball brings for him in terms of salary, in terms of lifestyle and things like that. He likes being on page six with models and the Jenners and things like that. Durant doesn't. Durant's just a baller. He just wants to be out there on the court. All right, hour two coming up. Want to get into some baseball as we are right at that halfway point of the baseball season. The story with the Angels continues the greatness of Otani and the Yankees. What? Wow. 58 wins. It's next. Dan Schwartzman in for Rich Eisen right here on the Rich Eisen Show. Hour two next. 